Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be previewing the 2021 Syracuse football season and talking about Carmelo Anthony's move to the Lakers. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman and our guest is Syracuse.com's Chris Carlson. Chris, always a pleasure to have you on the program. How are you today? Doing great, Wes. How about you? Yeah, Chris, doing well, and I want to get you started on this one. The big position battle in the offseason is that quarterback between Tommy DeVito and Garrett Schrader. Do you have any insight on who's going to be starting when Syracuse opens the season at Ohio? You know, if I was a betting person, I would certainly bet on Tommy DeVito. Um, you know, Dino Babers has said that he had the edge coming out of, of spring. Um, that's not unexpected um, because – you know, he knows the system and Garrett Schrader's still learning. Um, we got to watch a little bit of practice last week and um, we didn't see a whole lot, but, but Tommy threw a perfect ball. Um, Garrett completed all his passes, but, you know, they're not as pinpoint as Tommy's throws were. Um, you know, and in spring, you are dealing, you're, you know, you're not hitting the quarterback and, and the quarterback isn't going to have to scramble a lot. And Tommy DeVito has a great arm and he is going to shine in those situations. Um, you know, all of that makes me think that he is going to win the job um, coming out of training camp. Now, you know, whether the offensive line struggles in, in game play and they need a guy that's more comfortable on the run and a running threat, um, you know, that, that's certainly possible as the season goes on. Um, it's certainly possible that, that Syracuse tries to keep opponents you know, off balance and sort of creates a package for Garrett Schrader um, and gives people an extra thing to, to prepare for. Um, that's not what Dino Babers prefers 
Um, he'd rather have a quarterback go out and light it up. But if Tommy DeVito isn't going to light it up, you know, maybe you are better off just, just keeping opponents from, from focusing on one thing. Um, but but I, I, I think Tommy DeVito certainly has the edge to, to start um, from what we've seen so far. You know, one of the reasons for Syracuse's struggles last year was the offensive line. There's no shirt coating yet. They were flat out awful. But Dino Baker spent a lot of time and resources in the offseason bringing in new players and a new position coach. In the limited time that you've seen the offensive line, do you see a chance for improvement there? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to tell from, from practice drills. Um, but they, they brought in the, the new assistant coach, Mike Schmidt, who, who might be the, the biggest kind of uh, change they made. Um, but I certainly think they'll be better. Um, you know, Aaron Service, we've seen when he's healthy um, that, that he is a competent tackle. And, and, you know, he was playing beat up last year, and, and he sort of got, you know, turned into a revolving door. Um, Chris Bleich, the transfer from Florida, um, you know, gives them an extra body so that they're not going to have to convert a fullback to play guard. Um, they'll be, they're bringing back almost all the guys from last year with another year of experience. They'll be better. Um, now you're also bringing back all the guys from an offensive line that struggled. So, so does another year take those guys from, you know, a really bad, one of the worst offensive lines in college football and make them, you know, very good. Uh, I'm skeptical that, that that type of jump is in the cards. Um, but I certainly think they'll be better and something approaching, you know, average uh, as opposed to, you know, horrific, which is what we saw last year. Shifting from offense to defense, Syracuse lost three very important players in their secondary to the NFL, but they have a lot of talented defensive backs returning and coming in. What do you think of the secondary after the NFL departures? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's the one place that Syracuse has really shown that, that um, it, it seems to have a knack for identifying guys, right? I, I mean, you know, you, you talked about Trill Williams and Issy Melifonwu, and, and wow, how are they going to replace these guys? Garrett Williams was phenomenal uh, last year as, as a true freshman, um, and, and Deuce Chestnut, who, who was their star freshman coming into this year, um, we're seeing him, um, at least from, from kind of the limited practice reps that we see, um, work in with the first team. Um, you know, so, so if there's one position that, that I feel confident that this staff can, can sort of, you know, revamp on the fly and, and fill in the holes, um, it's the defensive backfield. Um, you know, the, they're obviously – Syracuse University doesn't lose, you know, three guys to the NFL um, from one position and, and, you know, be just as good. Um, the next year, uh, but I think they'll be fine because they've already got Williams, who's you know, I mean, he's really really good. Uh, I don't know if he'll win. I don't know if he'll be all ACC, one of those top six cornerbacks this year. But if he does, if he's not, he'll be pretty close. Chris, do you get the feeling that Dino Bapers is coaching for his job this season? And how hot is that seat coming off a one in ten year? Uh, so I don't think there's any way that a coach coming off a one in ten year isn't coaching for his job. Like if he does that again, you just can't have it. Like, right? Like you can't have two one-win seasons <laughs> in a row and, and keep the guy. Um, you know, that said, I think Syracuse is, is probably looking for every reason to keep Dino Babers 
rather than every reason to, to get rid of Dino Babers. Um, you know, he, he's got two years left on his contract after this one. Um, Syracuse isn't really this program that's flush with boosters that, that want to pay to fire somebody and just toss their money out, out the window to, to tell someone to go away. Um, you know, the, the athletic department is coming off a pandemic year um, where its revenue uh, is down substantially and, and it's a little less flush with cash. Um, you know, so I, I, if they can, if they think they, I to me, I think if Syracuse can sell the idea that they made progress this year, um, you know, if the offensive line looks a little bit better, um, you know, if they win, you know, if they get four or five wins and you can spin it into, into, we were better than we were last year. I think Dino will be fine um, because of the financial considerations. And he's also, he, is, he has been a great representative in, in terms of, you know, his kids haven't gotten in trouble. Um, now, that doesn't get, mean you get to keep a job as a coach forever, but, but you know, they haven't had any real embarrassing off-field incidents. Um, you know, when he, when he speaks to the public and the media, he represents the school well and in a very impressive manner. Um, so I, I just think, you know, they're in a position where, if they can see progress, they're going to sell it as progress. Um, but if it becomes unsellable, then you just have to move on. And last year, if they do that again, that's unsellable. And Chris, we'll get you out of here on this one. I ask you this every time I have you on a preseason podcast, whether that's basketball, football, or otherwise. But do you have a win-loss prediction for the team this year? Um, you know, I think we're going to be in an, I think we're going to be having the conversation that we just had at the end of the year where, where, what is progress? <laughs> um, I don't think that they're going to win six games. Um, you know, Liberty is not the, the cupcake matchup that they would have wanted, um, in the non-conference schedule. Um, Rutgers looks like a battle of, of equals. Um, so you, you've only got like two sure wins in the non-conference and then you're going into the ACC in which. Like, everybody's bringing back their starting quarterback. You know, uh, th- there's not a whole lot of reason to see the other teams falling off um, this season. I don't think Syracuse is going to be the worst team in the ACC, uh, you know, uh, like last year. I think Duke is in much worse position. Um, and, and all these people saying Syracuse is, is the worst team in the ACC, uh, you know, uh, I'm not I, – I don't quite see it that way. Uh, but we're probably damning with faint praise a little bit, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a four. I think it's a four or five win season, and, and we're having a debate over whether they made progress or not. Chris, thanks as always for coming on the program again. Chris Carlson from Syracuse.com doing a great job of covering the football team. Chris, we always appreciate your insight. Enjoy the season. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks, Wes. I was just thinking about this. I've known Chris Carlson for over 20 years now, dating back to our time at the Daily Orange, uh, and that's a really good chunk of time. It's always great to have him on. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, an earlier report from The Athletic mentions the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 forming an alliance in response to Texas and Oklahoma defecting to the SEC. What is the significance of it, and what impact would it have on Syracuse? It's certainly interesting, Wes, and here's my take on why those conference commissioners in those three leagues are sitting down and talking about some sort of partnership moving forward. It's all about the product on the field, and it's all about those big television contracts and the revenue that they produce. We all know that the SEC is the dominant conference in college football with the biggest names, 
and the big rivalries, you know, starting right at the top with Alabama. But certainly there's nothing to sneeze at with, you know, Clemson in the ACC, Ohio State in the Big Ten, and then on any particular year, Washington or if UCLA, USC, uh, Arizona, uh, get up back up to speed in the Pac-12. So those three leagues are looking to get together. I think it's all about producing a better product on the field, better games, a better schedule, better matchups to be more uh, appealing to the TV networks that have these TV contracts. And I was looking at the uh, future Syracuse schedules, and next year Syracuse has Connecticut, Purdue, Wagner, and Notre Dame. Uh, in 2023, Colgate, Western Michigan, Purdue, and Army. It's really about, I think, improving the schedule. And I think moving forward uh, in the latter part of the 2020s and into the next decade, these teams in the Power Five conferences are going to have to move away from playing FCS teams at the beginning of the season. Sure, it's a great way to tune up. It's like an exhibition game in college football, but it's really not attractive from both a television uh, programming standpoint and really about fans attending these games and especially ones that purchase season tickets. So moving forward, I'd really like to see the type of schedule with this conglomeration of the, the big Power Five conferences where Syracuse may open up with maybe a group of five team, nothing less than, you know, an FBS opponent, and then having either eight, the current ACC amount of games are moving that up to nine as they did in the 2020 COVID season. And then having two other games rotating each year against either a big 10 team, a PAC 12 team, uh, just to make the schedule more appealing. So you see Purdue's on the 2022 schedule and 2023. Um, Tennessee's on the 2025 schedule. And then you have games sprinkled in against Notre Dame in 2022, 25, 26, and all the way into the 3030s, 3034, and 16 years from now, wow, 3037. That's really where the Syracuse football schedule should be. So maybe one game against a group of five team from the American Athletic Conference, the Sun Belt, Mountain West, the MAC, and then two games against these other Power Five conferences each year with this partnership with the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and then, of course, eight or nine ACC games each season. Brad, let's shift topics. We're in the NBA offseason now, and the big news in the Syracuse basketball world is that Carmelo Anthony will join LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers for the upcoming season in pursuit of that elusive NBA championship. What does it mean for Carmelo Anthony if he wins a championship with the Lakers? There's a couple different elements to this, Wes, and Throughout Carmelo Anthony's career, I've always thought about, can he win an NBA championship? Because he's already knocked off the other two uh, marks of the most exclusive club in basketball, which I wrote in Orange Watch a couple of weeks ago. Only eight players have won an NCAA title, Olympic gold medal, and an NBA championship. It's really an exclusive list. It's headed by the biggest names such as Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, and of course, Michael Jordan. But some other not-so-big names like Quinn Buckner, uh, Clyde Lavalette, Casey Jones, and Jerry Lucas, along with the aforementioned Anthony Davis, his soon-to-be teammate with the Lakers. A very exclusive club, and throughout his entire career, which is now going to be his 19th season, 
breaking the tie that Carmelo had with Dan Shays for the most NBA seasons of a Syracuse graduate. I've always thought about could he win that NBA title and join that exclusive group as the ninth member. And, of course, with the Denver Nuggets, the farthest he went in the playoffs was the Western Conference Finals when they lost to the Lakers, never led the New York Knicks to either an Eastern Conference Final or certainly to the NBA title. So I've always wondered about that with Carmelo Anthony because his place in the historic Mount Rushmore, if you will, of Syracuse basketball is secure. And if you look at his you know, eventual Hall of Fame induction, which I think if it's this coming season is his last season, would happen as soon as 2027, he would be the fourth member of Syracuse basketball in the Basketball Hall of Fame, completing that quadrant of Mount Rushmore faces, joining Vic Hansen, who was inducted in 1960, Dave Bing, of course, in 1990, and Jim Beheim in 2005. So I thought about that historic significance on many fronts for Carmelo with the Lakers, 19th NBA season, most of any of any Syracuse graduate, uh, the chance to win this NBA championship with that star-studded lineup to join that exclusive club and being the fourth member of the Basketball Hall of Fame who has Syracuse basketball connections. So there's really a lot there, and I really hope Carmelo can go out as he uh, finishes in the top 10 scoring-wise for his career and go, goes out with a bang in his final season, or maybe not his final, but it's certainly his 19th season with the Lakers in 2021-22. And Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I want to emphasize again, Wes, that when fans go to the Carrier Dome for the Rutgers season opener on September 11th, they're just not going to recognize the building because, of course, it's been two seasons since fans have been uh, admitted to football games, missing out last year in 2020. And from all reports that I've seen and some of the pictures that I've seen, the building really looks tremendous. Complete paint job in the third level, the concourses, an improved concession setup where it's really designed now to have fans moving really fast through the concession lines, placing an order, being able to use a, a debit card or their phone to pay for it, moving everything through very quickly with the whole idea being keeping the congestion in the very tight corridors of the Carrier Dome to a minimum. And I really applaud all the thought process that has gone in with dome management, all the different tweaks and modernization that has happened there. And fans are going to be really excited and looking forward to the new experience when they go to the Carrier Dome for the 2021 football season. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Syracuse football recruiting. The Orange picking up an 11th commitment in their 2022 class, this time from three-star Ohio defensive back Dom Foster. He's the fourth defensive back in the group, joining Jeremiah Wilson, Cornell Perry, and Quan Peterson. The Orange beat out Boston College, Wake Forest, and Virginia, among other schools, for his services. Syracuse has done a great job of identifying and developing defensive backs in its last few classes. I don't think Foster will be any different. Congratulations to him on the commitment. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I saw a lady with long fingernails and I thought someone sucks at bowling. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.